Welcome to Fertility Cafe, the home for every conversation exploring alternative family building through IVF, surrogacy, egg, sperm, and embryo donation. Our host, Eloise Drain, alternates episodes between educational shows covering specific topics and guest narratives for further insight. For a mastery, understanding, and confidence in all things alternative family, subscribe to Fertility Cafe. Hey there, welcome to episode 93 of Fertility Cafe. In this episode, we'll be talking about what it's like for intended parents from abroad to navigate third-party reproduction within the U.S. When it comes to paid surrogacy other than the United States, only a few countries allow it. As a result, there's an increasing flow of hopeful parents coming to the U.S. from various parts of the world seeking third-party reproduction options. Joining me today are new parents, Charlie and Tom Farrant, who will share what their family building journey was like, starting out at home in the UK where paid surrogacy is not allowed. We talk about their experience, first navigating infertility issues, coping with the attitudes surrounding third-party reproduction in the UK, and then investigating how they might pursue having a baby via surrogacy in the States. Charlie and Tom are a couple from the UK living with their six-month-old son, Bertie, born in South Carolina via surrogate. Tom works as a pilot, and Charlie is a registered dietitian and blogger at therunnerbeans.com. Well, thank you, Charlie and Tom, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. No problem. I'd love to start with your story. Can you give us a little background on your family building journey? So I have something called MRKH, which is a condition that means my uterus didn't develop properly. And so we've always known we were going to be going down the surrogacy route and we we're very lucky to have a successful surrogacy journey last year and have a six-month-old little boy. Did you start, though, your process? So obviously the intro, you're in the UK, but did you start your process in the UK? Like how did it evolve to come into the US? Yeah, so we did our IVF, our embryo creation in the UK, we did it during COVID. So we probably would have done it all in the US just for kind of ease if we had had that opportunity. But given travel bans, we did it in the UK and then had our embryos shipped over to the US. So why not have done surrogacy in the UK? There are two main reasons why we didn't do it in the UK. And we, we always knew from the outset, Charlie had done a lot of research on it more than I had. We always knew that we were going to go and do it in the US. And the two main reasons was, for well, one, that Charlie, in the UK, Charlie would never be on the birth certificate as the mother. It would always be the surrogate, whereas in the US, you can get the birth certificate changed. And two, for sort of security reasons, I mean, very unlikely that it would happen, but it could, that the surrogate in the UK, once given birth, could turn around and keep the child. Whereas in the US... She could do it in the US, but there's a contract drawn up and we could sue her for, for doing that. Well, that sounds really horrible, but, yeah. but it's there true. was more protection for yeah. us Very in the US having yes. a contract. And I also feel like there's more protection for the surrogate. Mm. There's lawyers involved. There's there's agencies like yourself that look after both, both sets of people that are involved in this journey. In the UK, it's much more secretive. It's much more on your own. It's much more like... 
I, I just feel it's not as supported, it's not as protected. And yet ultimately being on the birth certificate, being Bertie's mother was really important to me. Whereas in the UK, you can you can get them, you'd get a second birth certificate rather than getting the birth certificate saying my name. So in the UK, so there's no legal framework that protects you as the parents and then also the surrogate. So there's there's nothing like that there. So they there's just been a law review commission, a law commission review who have suggested some changes to the law. But no, at the moment, it's all altruistic, altruistic. There's no contracts in place. There's no it's all just a kind of handshake and the mother and even with these law commission changes the birth mother can change her mind up to six weeks post-birth oh damn yeah. Mm. yeah i just wouldn't creating a family childbirth uh pregnancy is stressful enough wanting a healthy happy baby and obviously a healthy happy birth mother but i just wouldn't want this looming over me for 10 months 11 mm-hmm. months thinking mm-hmm. at the end of all of this is my genetic child actually going to be handed over to me or not right 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 so what is the attitudes i guess of people in the uk like what just curious around them surrounding third party what is the attitude there i know you mentioned it was more secretive and so on but it's like uh, spoken about no and I feel like it's a lot more done within families because of this. You're not allowed to advertise that you're looking for a surrogate or that you are willing to be a surrogate. Mm. So it's all done in these like underground little Facebook groups, which I got invited to one and left pretty quickly afterwards. You have to go to these networking events where people introduce you or you have to do, um, it's like speed dating. Whereas I feel like, the process in the US was a more personalized matchmaking service. But the other thing in, in the UK is that because it's not really talked about, people have no idea. Our friends, our family could not believe the legal, the lack of legal protection here. And mm. the fact that there, you know, that we've had to still go through so many hoops getting Bertie <laughs> to be accepted as our child in the UK. Like we had to go to high court in London to get our birth order, order. our parental order. Yeah. So when you got home with your child, then you still had to go through another process in the UK. We're still not done. We still don't have his British birth certificate. Yeah. And he's over six months old now. He has a US passport. He has a UK passport. We've looked after him since he was born. We had to get a social worker, had to come and assess us in our house and see Bertie. We had to go, we had to instruct more lawyers here. We had to go to your high court and have a judge sign off again, even though we had all the paperwork from the US. Ashley had to fill out more paperwork. Um, It's crazy. And so it didn't matter that you guys are the biological parents. None of that is even relevant. I had to do a DNA test to prove that he was mine. It hasn't caught up. Yeah. So far behind. Yeah. And we've we've got a US birth certificate. As I said, he's got his... Yeah, if we'd have been just living in the US and had had Bertie naturally, we wouldn't have had to do it. You know, we would have come back with our birth certificate and... 
it would have been done. done. It would have been finished. Yeah. It would have said anything. And it adds another layer of admin, stress, cost, but it's still, I still think the whole process was easier and less stressful doing it in the US than I would have been doing it all in the UK. Because we would have had to do all this in the UK. If yeah. And then some. Yeah. 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 So when you decided that you, obviously, I know you said early on you knew that you wanted to do it, but when you decided to do surrogacy in the U.S., what was kind of like your first step? We interviewed a lot of fertility clinics first and, yeah, surrogacy agencies. It was at the same time, wasn't it? We did we did both sort of as yeah. interchange because we'd speak to the agency and they would recommend a fertility clinic. Or vice versa. Yeah. So then we were flip-flopping between the two. We did a lot of Zoom calls. A lot of Zoom calls. <laughs> we started, We kind of started out with a list of agencies and clinics, struck some off straight away, had calls with a number of them. We'd write down kind of the pros and cons of each, um, discuss it after the call. And then we also spoke to some lawyers yeah. in the US. British lawyers cannot get involved. That is yep. illegal for them to get involved. So interestingly, our lawyer that has been doing all this, all of the high court stuff is actually based in Switzerland, which <laughs> another, you know, it's very international, this. Bertie is a very international baby. But, um, <laughs> Already. <laughs> yeah. And here, one really good bit of advice that someone gave us was that most of the agencies in the US, they offer very similar sort of services. And it's just, you have to go with your gut. It was just a feeling, wasn't it? That we Some we just wanted. were absolutely not from the feeling. And then some, it was like, okay, this was good. This was bad. I mean, we're not obviously here to promote. <laughs> well, yeah. you're here. No, you're you know. promoting. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was this podcast that you were listening I to. I listened to your it? podcast yeah. already and it was it was the amount of free information you were giving out that I really appreciated that I was able to like, I was able to glean a lot more information from the website, your podcast, and from talking to directly to you. And then also the fact that you really looked after your surrogates. I, you were the only agency that had these extra things that we could send our, sur our surrogates on a or send the surrogate on a regular basis. And being so far away, that's something that we wanted to be able to do because we weren't going to be able to be with her every month or for every scan. So having that, that was one of the main things that stood out for us. And the fact that you'd been a surrogate and you actually knew what you were talking about rather than just kind of reading from the script of like, <laughs> here's how to sign someone up, which a lot of the other calls that we had seemed to be, through people either trying to sell us basically an American passport for our child, which we were like, I think if you think that's what we're here for, you yeah. don't know us at all. But also that just seemed to be like they were on a commission to get us signed up. So we're talking about your surrogate. So let's talk about your surrogate for a little bit. I know we obviously presented a profile to you guys and it was two profiles wasn't it? it was the first one and then you guys didn't care for that one and then there was someone else do you want to share about that experience yeah so I think I don't know what happened to the first one she didn't want to travel to San Diego that's right and yes funny I... enough our surrogate she actually also struggled to find an agency mm -hmm. she'd also signed up to an agency before family inceptions 
who then didn't treat her very nicely. Very nicely. And because she'd been, she'd wanted to be a surrogate for a year, two years before. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually signed up to family receptions, you know, from both sides as a surrogate and an intended parent. It's a journey. It's a journey, a journey yeah. to, to, to find the, the match. But I think I certainly struggled with the time period. And with COVID, there was added time. And so you're presented with the first person and your instinct is to just be like, oh, thank goodness. And just that'll do. Whereas actually there were some red flags and we spoke to you and we were like, this is not quite right. And actually another couple that have been with family inceptions that we are friends with had a similar, and they said that they really appreciated that you went, no, you're raising some flags. This is a no. If it's not a definitely yes, it's a no. And they said, they they did say, you know, you took the decision out of their hands you said, look, you, you don't even think I've made the decision for you. Yeah. Which they and, and we, I think, really appreciated that. Yeah. Because, because you're so desperate. Yeah, exactly. And actually, <laughs> our match turned out to it couldn't have been better. We I went to San Diego for the embryo transfer and spent the day with our surrogate and her now husband. And just um, going before that, because we, we have to make a little video. Both us and the surrogate have to make. No, you can write a letter as well. Okay. Well, we both made you. You family session suggest you make a little video, and uh, so we. Ours is so cringy. Ours is so awkward. (laughs) No, it was awesome. Actually, it's really good. (laughs) And then we watched, and then we watched our surrogates and her partner's video, and we're like, oh, they're just as awkward as we are. So that's. That was sort of the, we were like, oh, thank God. Because you get a lot of information. You're like, actually, this is more information than I know about most of my friends. And that's what another thing that I think is the, you don't get that in the UK. Like there's things that you're, that you have to have conversations about. So you you sort of match and then you have a conversation. Like, would you terminate if this, do you agree about this? And actually, I feel like that gets all the awkwardness out of the way because you've had the conversation that you never want to have to have, but it's mm-hmm. done before you get to the emotional part. Whereas I wonder whether there's anybody doing those conversations in the UK where it's like, everything's going to be great and we're just going to hope for the best. Right. And actually, there's no one's sitting down with lawyers and making contracts and working out payments and working out what you do in difficult medical situations because none of this is kind of really supposed to be happening. Yep. And I think too that what people kind of overlook is the importance of all of those pre-steps, right? Because if you don't pre-plan, those pre-steps are pre-planning. You're not going to go in to build a house without speaking to an architect and without having someone design that plan for you so you have a foundation of where you're going. And so surrogacy is the same way. And I think people don't necessarily put the two together, but it is the same way. You want to plan, prepare, get all of those things worked out ahead of time so that they're always going to be bumps in the road. We're all human. It's impossible to say that it's going to be perfect 100%. However, you can eliminate a lot of the issues ahead of time. And, you know, like you and even the other family that you guys were referring to, knowing that I have gone through my own experiences and I have 
had a great experience with some of my journeys and thought I had a great experience and then it ended up not being such a great experience. You appreciate that because the decision of you becoming a surrogate or even you having to work with a surrogate, it's a long-term decision, even though, yes, let's say you she's not in your lives anymore long-term, but your child is still there. And one day he may want to know his story. And what are you going to say then? Oh, no, I, there, there was no story. You're just like, it yeah. just, again, it, it's all part of it. Like you said, it's all part of that journey. I think we've been, uh, you know, going back to, we were, we met, um, I met the surrogate and her husband in San Diego for the transfer and got on so well. And we've been so lucky to formulate an an amazing relationship with them. We were in the US for seven weeks after Bertie was born and saw them at least once a week, if not twice a week throughout that period. And they're getting passports to come over for his first birthday in October. And we just have such a special relationship with them that I just don't know I don't know what what it would have been like elsewhere. We can't, I have nothing to compare it to, luckily, because we've had this incredible experience. And I think that's what you get when you go to somewhere that's going to be tailoring it to you rather than a private Facebook group where you're just desperate to find someone that's willing to carry your child. Yeah, I've heard some stories about people matching on Facebook or social media in general and people not just, they're not vetting anybody. They're just jumping in. Like you said, you're so anxious to want to get started and you're not really thinking. That's the only way. If you don't have a family member or friend that's offered to do it, then yeah. You have to do it through these groups. There's no other way. Mm -hmm. You actually had someone reach out to you from your social media to say that you, she was was willing to carry. But again, we wouldn't have any of the legal no. um, securities. Do you think there is hope for surrogacy to be normalised and accepted in the UK? It's being talked about more. It's being accepted more. There's an MP who is, or a member of parliament, who has just done her surrogacy journey, who is putting, who is making it, it, pushing it, making it a headline in the Houses of Parliament. And that's why these they're talking about these new reforms now. But they're not very progressive. There was so much hope for these recommendations and they've, I think they've really fallen flat, unfortunately. I think, I don't think in our time frame of we'd love to have a second. No way. We no. would, we'll still be going back to the US yeah. for it. I wouldn't recommend any of our friends if they're going through the surrogacy process, do it in the UK currently, just from... A, us having a great experience in the US, but also just the the fear, unless they have somebody like a sister or something. But I do it think it's being it. talked about more yeah. because I think that there's social media has been great for it. Like I follow families in the UK that have had children through surrogacy. And I think people are just being much more open and, and honest about it. I think it's just they are doing that once that the ball is already rolling rather than it being, you know, a kind of caught upwards process. It's almost going the other way. We're forcing it to go, to come into the courts because it's becoming more prevalent and more people are talking it about has, it. It has progressed as we were at, when we were at the high court in front of the judge. He, you know, he, he'd been a judge for 30 years 
in family law, lawyer or family um, law. Family court. Family court. And he said, you know, if you if you'd presented up to me 20 years ago, this wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have been able to give you a parental order. It has slowly changed. But we, me and Charlie were sitting there going, well, we shouldn't be here anyway. You know, we've we've already we've already got all the paperwork. It makes me so, angry that I have to it prove yeah. that my son is my son, given yeah. that we've already done that multiple times. It feels, and even more so when when he is genetically completely ours. Yep. You know, no donor at all. We just needed someone to carry. So you know, genetically completely our our child, and it does. You sit there thinking, why? Why are we here? You mm-hmm. know, he's, he's quite clearly our son. My, mm-hmm. he's my son. He looks identical <laughs> too. Yes, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, there was a, a new thing that just came out. One in six families are now dealing with mm-hmm. some sort of infertility, right? And that's just not in the U.S. That's across the world. And the fact that there are so many people increasing in infertility issues. And that's just not the touch. I mean, that's just touching the surface. I mean, what about the ones that have cancer? What about the ones that have other diseases that can't have a child for whatever reason and need the assistance of third party? As a society across the world, it's going to get to a point where people are not going to be able to have children. And what, they're just going to stop all of humanity because... There are certain people and powers that be that, you know, don't think that it's right or or worthy or whatever their rationale of why they don't want this to happen. And it's like typically what happens is until somebody actually experiences something, they can't fathom what it actually really means to go through that. And I do wonder you know, if more people, like you said, the NP that started now and doing surrogacy there, do you know if she worked with a surrogate in the UK? I think she did. I think so. Yeah, I think it was in the UK she did it. Yeah. I think there's going to be, there's got to be a shift where we have less white men in power. Oh, amen, girl. Preach, preach, preach. (laughs) And it's because they are not dealing with it. They are old and they are not seeing it because it's not impacting them that's right that they don't care or they've got these opinions that are so outdated and are so unhelpful and I I would I there's a article against surrogacy actually in the spectator at the moment a magazine political magazine in the UK and I opened it and then read a little bit and then put it down because I was so angry and I would really like to I wish I'd looked at the byline of who had written it because I don't think our generation and the ones coming next are have any issues with any but however people create families whether it's two men one man on his own a you know family needing surrogate somebody using egg donor somebody using sperm donor that kind of thing mm-hmm. i think it's the people that are generally in power in our country and in the us yep the 50 60 70 year olds yep. men yep that are the ones that seem to have this problem but no actual data and information and ex- life experience of it that are making the decisions but you're, yeah. um, you're totally right it's so it is becoming so common yes 
just are, are my one of my best friends sign up to agency We're speaking to people at work i've spoke to someone the other day he was he was in front of the same judge <laughs> as we were doing they did surrogacy in canada um spoke to another lady at work she'd gone off to portugal to go and get find a, a sperm donor you know yeah. but everyone's going abroad you know yeah. no, i've spoken anyone who's doing it in the uk yeah which is really a shame. Yeah, friend in the next door village. They went to the Ukraine to do it. Yep. Pre-war. Well, mid-war. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but that's where it truly is a shame that you have to leave your country to go and have a child because the ignorance of people within the country. And don't get me started on the U.S. because we have our... <laughs> We have our fair issues here, but, you know, we definitely do have the ability that anybody and everybody, you know, can come to and can do surrogacy. The unfortunate part is that it's so cost prohibitive. That's what yeah. I was going to say. We're very fortunate that we can afford it. Yes, right. It's a lot of people out as well. Yeah. That's right. And that's what I think. That's the it, only benefit of the UK. It is, it is well, a lot cheaper. Yeah. Um, so... In the UK, in a lot of areas in the UK, you can qualify for IVF on our National Health Service. But in England, if you need to use a surrogate, then you do not qualify. In Wales, you do qualify. And it's like a postcode lottery. And it again, it makes me very frustrated that there's some things that you can you have IVF on the NHS for, some things you can't. I work for the NHS. I had to take pay, unpaid time off to do my IVF. If I'd been doing it on the NHS, I wouldn't have had to take an unpaid time off. And it's just, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of things that need to happen in the mm -hmm. UK for it to become accessible for, for everyone or for more families, not least the, the legal changes, but also kind of changes within our NHS structure within, you know, we had to pay how much? The, the legal cost just to go to court. What about, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, but all it com all completely worth it. Yes, of course, and and that's the beauty we of it. A, in the end, we had a brilliant experience. Yeah, we had a lovely time. I've <laughs> 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 seen uh, for me completely seamless. Like I know you were getting frustrated in terms of in terms of not having a match you know it took, it took it a just, while for a match to come once you sign up for to an agency you kind of think it's and I'm sure this is like people joining dating agencies you think right well I've done the hard work we found the the agency we paid our money like you know why is it taking Where so long yeah. and because because of COVID and because of you know I was in my early 30s and I just kept thinking I'm not going to be a mother at this age. I'm not going to be a mother this year. And because obviously the process of it all takes a bit of time, I found myself getting upset by that. Mm. But actually, when I look back now, I'm such a believer in everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. It all, the timing all just actually was perfect mm. from the fact that, bless our surrogate. Had Although she, taken... didn't like, she didn't like being pregnant in a Charleston summer. No. <laughs> she said she did. <laughs> um, but bless her, she took her meds early for the transfer. And so that was pulled forward. But actually, I was already in the US, like with friends. And so I could be there early. It didn't matter. And I just, and then we were in, in America early. 
and then he had to be born early and it was it was all fine and it was everything has worked out so perfectly that I wouldn't have wanted it to be with anyone else at any other time frame so yeah a reminder to myself and anyone going through this that patience is really difficult at the time but it's all yeah it's all meant to like everything kind of lines up how it's meant to be in the end and don't rush there's no there's no need to rush yeah but I feel like women especially feel like a bit like you're on a ticking clock yes even with eggs in the freezer once the IVF is done I know but you still I know like once I think once you really decide you're ready to be a mother you are ready then and it's really hard waiting. I kept trying to say to you, don't have dates in your mind. Because you were like, oh, I want him to be born in the summer. Or I want him <laughs> to be born there. And I said, you can't, you can't have that. Yeah. You know, just it will come when, when he comes. Yep. And it truly is, everything happens exactly how it's supposed to. So one of the things is, I know this can be a challenge for couples, how do you nurture your relationship with each other through the difficult moments? And like, how do you support each other, especially again, where you know, like, oh my God, my child is in a different country, not even in a different state where, you know, worst case scenario, I can just get in my car and drive. Like, that's not possible. Yeah. I think you found that difficult because I was texting with our surrogate and you felt the disconnect. Yeah. It was. I don't know. Uh, How did I deal with that? I mean, I would, I would, I would always think about him. Uh, you know, every day I'd be thinking about him, even though he wasn't here, and even though Charlie wasn't carrying him, it was. You know, he was always in my mind, mm-hmm. and that's how I sort of connected with him. And you know, with my work and things, it was it was a case of we could just jump on a plane and go. Yeah. Um, and we're fortunate with that. And so because we, we did tra- go and but yeah, we, we, did, we went a lot. And because we travel to the US so much, the US doesn't feel like a long way away from us. Mm-hmm. You know, literally half an hour to the airport and off we go. I mean, in terms so that of was, relationship with each other, it was just a kind of. I was just trying to calm you, <laughs> calm you down. Like I, like I just said, calm you down in terms of the expectation. And I said, you know, it will, you know, it will just happen. Don't have the dates mm-hmm. in your mind because you were like, I want the transfer on this date. Right. Yes. And then okay. and then she'll be pregnant on this date. And then he'll be born on this date. And I was like, no, he'll we, be. I think we work well together <laughs> in that I um I did all the planning in terms of like where are we staying? What do we need? Like board all the stuff. I can get overwhelmed with all of that kind of thing that I am trying to everything be perfect. And Tom's a lot more laid back and relaxed and I think it ballot like it works well and I think in terms of it like when we went to the hospital I work in hospital and loved all medical things and Tom is very squeamish and so that worked well one of us you did all the paperwork at the hospital and I did all the like was in the theatre when he was born and um in the you know operating room when he was born and that sort of thing yeah there's a lot of admin that goes with surrogacy and occasionally that gets quite overwhelming. But apart from that, I never felt. I just wanted to, as as Chai said, just relax about the whole thing and let let the the IVF centers, you know, the the fertility clinic, you know, they're the professionals and they knew what they were doing, and um, just let them get on with it. The um, only time you nearly let the team down was when we did our IVF. 
Yeah, well, I'm not, as you said, I'm, I'm so, so just a blood test, just a blood test sends me the wrong way. So I had <laughs> the day we I had my egg collection, Tom had to have a blood test for our FDA testing. Yeah. And that's another thing that you that for UK intended parents that we we didn't realize that all the American testing that you'd have to do here to then ship over yeah. to America to get it all tested. Well, you and know, then, just even the US, though, even the intended parents here have to do the same FDA. Testing. Yes, of course. Yeah. And then but, but the issue with us was that I, you my blood, it all. My, there was a storm. So my bloods were taken <laughs> and then they got lost in the storm. So then I had to go back and redo them. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. But so it, we, I had my egg retrieval. And then the same day, Tom had the first round of blood tests. And I came around and they said, oh, don't worry, your husband's fine. Mm. And I was like. Are you kidding me? I like was, I was literally fainting in the other room just having my blood test. <laughs> and I'd but, done you know, three weeks of daily injections and yeah, you've done all the meds for the IVF. Yep, yep. But you know what? We're 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 not going to you know point any fingers. <laughs> that was the yeah. That was the only issue for me. <laughs> but you were great otherwise. So you know <laughs> that makes up for everything else. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. A lot that's of right. the, um, I mean, one of the benefits of the fact that you haven't carried the child and we didn't breast, I wasn't breastfeeding and um, our surrogate pumped was that we could really split the parental duties. So for the first few weeks, we split the night. So Tom would take 8 p.m. till 1 a.m. and I'd go to sleep and then I'd get him from 1 a.m. to 7 a.m. And I think that helped, really helped us. We were never really, really sleep deprived. No. And I think that was a real game changer in terms of how we felt. And I wasn't recovering and Tom wasn't having to try and look after me and a baby, which I just think hats off to all the surrogates and every mother that's given birth and then looked after their child. I, It's incredible. I, it was hard enough looking after Bertie and I hadn't just been through a major surgery or, you know, 25 hours of, of labor. But also our surrogate said that she felt like she recovered more quickly than when she had given birth to her son because she didn't have another a child to look after and she was mm-hmm. sleeping through the night and able to look after herself. She and was just pleased not to be pregnant. Yeah, she was out. We went to a pumpkin patch like, a yeah, few days after Bertie was born. And um went on a little carriage ride and yeah it was and you really enjoyed it. I found I found that I I was pining to go home at that at, at, you know the first few weeks of, of Bertie being because we had to stay in the US for five weeks was seven. it well we were there for seven total so six weeks after Bertie was born we were in the US because we had to wait for his passport and I was sort you know in a in we were in a foreign country I didn't we didn't I didn't know the place I was pining to sort of go home and be with friends, be with family, go back to our our house, see the dog, and get into a into a routine. Whereas you were good at that because you absolutely loved being in Charleston. Yeah, I mean, you would have you would still be in Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. But I also loved the bubble, and I loved the time that we got to like. If we'd have been at home, we wouldn't have had that time to really bond with our surrogate yeah, and her husband we and, yeah, and yeah, they would yeah. they know knew Bertie they saw Bertie more than our parents did the first few months they did all come out but 
I just felt like that made it so special. And it wasn't, I never felt like it was a, thanks very much. Okay, bye. It was like, see you in a few days and see you in a few days and see you in a few days. And because she was pumping, we saw her literally every three days. Yeah. And I just thought that was so special. special. It was special to spend time with them. And I just don't think that we would have got that if we hadn't been. No, you're right. We wouldn't have. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I was just saying for if our dog could have been there, then it would have been like perfect. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, last question: What is your advice to other intended parents dealing with the just having to do surrogacy? Maybe it, they're already in the states. Maybe they're international, but knowing they have to go through the surrogacy route, just be patient and and keep the faith. Mm. And- have a really good filing system. <laughs> yeah. The admin. Admin's big, but don't let yourself, you know, when, when you come to a, a stop in the road, don't let your don't don't let yourself get stressed about it. Just keep keep calm because it does end up with the most amazing gift that, that you that you've got. And every day we look at Bertie and we feel absolutely blessed yeah. to have him. You know, there there will be blocks in the road or bumps in the road. And I would just say, yeah, patience. I think my advice is just go with your gut. If something doesn't feel right in your gut, like address that. Don't just go with the first, you know, the cheapest or the quickest or the person promising the world, because I just think that that's not always going to be reality. I think, you know, if you get a bad feeling or a good feeling, go with it. Mm. Um I also feel like there's lots of connections within the fertility world. So we had really great legal advice and really great, the clinic uh, that we use, San Diego Fertility Center, we had a really good experience with. And we were put in touch with someone through the lawyers to get our passport expedited. So if you're struggling with it, something ask, there's generally a connection and they'll be able to introduce you. So it can feel overwhelming and you can feel really alone, but you're really not. Yeah. And for, for, for intended parents in the UK, you feel so lonely here mm. because no one talks about it and it's not a big thing. And then when we started, when we first started out and talking to agencies and fertility clinics and speaking to yourself, you could completely normalise the whole thing, you know, because you do it every day and it, and it is it, it's way more common in the US. It was a real uh, reassurance for us to speak to uh, yourself and, and other agencies and you you just completely normalized it for us and we got off the calls and we're like god it's just like a, a completely normal conversation we've just had whereas up until then it was a real sort of taboo talking mm. about it it was uh, embarrassing i felt embarrassed that we were having to use it to go through this and then we started doing all the research speaking to people and, and it was, actually it, was it took completely that normalized which was a real embarrassment away and we were able to then tell friends and family and be confident and proud and like this is what we've chosen and and it backed mm. up our decision and our you know it made me kind of think this is the right decision for us for these reasons and yeah it just reassured us that we were not alone on the yeah. journey yeah so talk talk to people you know, and it's very frustrating. I know I said it was the last question and I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just frustrating to have to hear of, you know, families who 
or couples or individuals or whomever, they want to have their children, they want to have their families and everything is such a secret. And it's like, you know, now granted, back in the days when I first started surrogacy too, it was very taboo to talk about and people didn't really talk about it and it was something hidden and, you know, and oh gosh, and then I was even more of an anomaly because here I was a black woman who wanted to be a surrogate. That was just unheard of, you know, 15, 16 years ago. But it's like, you just have to keep pushing through. And it's, you know, people like you who are willing to share your story and willing to tell people like it is normal. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing to be ashamed about. Because when you look at Birdie, there's no shame in him whatsoever. No, absolutely not. And also, no one asks now. No. Like, I go to mum and baby classes, and there's no point where anyone said, oh, did you carry him? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, the first few days when he was born, and we were walking around, they were like, how old is he? And they're like, three weeks, three days. And they'd be like, oh, my goodness, you look amazing. And I really <laughs> felt like I needed to say, I was like, by the way, I didn't carry him. I'm not. No, you just milked it. You're like, yeah, I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> week, I did just take the compliment, but up until that's that right, point, that's right. Hey, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Thank you very much. And doesn't he look like me? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because you're right. Um, now it's just it, no. It's it's not even a thing. Absolutely yeah. not a thing at all. Yeah. So. Well, and the thing about it too is, but it's none of your business. Yeah. That's the whole thing about it. Okay, so I had to go the surrogacy route. But if I don't feel like sharing that with you, I don't have to. No, and we know, I know friends that, you know, go through IVF and they never tell anyone. They go through... Miscarriages. Miscarriages. It's, And I think it's a shame when people feel like they can't. Mm -hmm. I also think you need to respect the people that don't want to. That's right. We've right. been like oversharers. I am an oversharer in everything. But at the start, you didn't want no, to. No, it was you actually telling your friends first. Yeah, I told everyone straight away. Yep. Because I think it's such a wonderful thing to share. Yeah, I agree. Whereas you took a little bit longer and now you, now it's <laughs> fully out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's lovely because you get people through your social media reaching out to you. Yeah. We've done our embryos in the UK and we need, We've been told by somebody in the US that we can't use them. And I was like, get in touch with San Diego. Yeah. Mm. Well, guys, I really, truly appreciate your time and you sharing your story. And I'm very grateful that you guys allowed us to take that journey with you as well. It was great speaking to you. Yeah. It's and nice thank you so much. Talk about it all. But yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please rate Fertility Cafe on your favorite listening platform and share this episode with anyone you think could benefit from hearing it. Tune in next week for another amazing episode on Fertility Cafe. Until then, remember, love has no limits. Neither should parenthood.